0: Uh, Ross, when we talk about the forgotten part of the good news, uh, some people will be saying maybe there are a number of elements that have been forgotten in the Great Commission or uh, the message of the Gospel. Uh, What are your thoughts about this one we're going to talk about today as having some level of priority?
1: Look, I think it has a level of priority, Neil, because as I read the Gospels, for example, In Mark 1, 14, uh, we hear that uh, John was in prison, but Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And John the Baptist himself was going out talking about repentance. Jesus here is saying repent and believe the good news. Uh, When Paul goes to the Greeks in Acts chapter 17, he says there will be a time of judgment after he's, you know, uh, built relationships with them about their search for God, and he said, Jesus is the one who will be that judge so Neil all the way through the Christian message in the Christian Bible is to become a follower of Jesus, there needs to be a repentance, uh, a turning away, a turning away from uh, our own behavior patterns towards god 's behavior patterns, acknowledgement of you know our behavior patterns that are wrong our our own sinfulness, and also a need to inform you know, with respect and courtesy, but need to reform the community in the world of what they need to repent of. I mean, mate, that's just been part of the message, but I think it's gone. I I struggle to find it today.
0: Well, are we afraid of stepping on toes here, Ross? Because uh, as I can appreciate with a little bit of research, Uh, earlier today uh, the word repentance is used in the new testament 55 times Uh, you've already made a number of references there which mean it's not ambiguous this is part of the gospel message in fact uh, we might even argue that the good news is not good news unless you talk about the bad news and repentance comes somewhere in the middle there to uh, to escape the bad news so uh, 55 times not ambiguous at all is it
1: no, it's not. And to be a follower of Jesus means that you, you, know, you turn away from a follower of yourself and you turn to being a follower of Jesus. You repent of you know, your own sinfulness and your own values and systems that are not consistent with God and you move to a God-based, not perfectly, but you move to a God-based value system relying on the person of Christ. So, Neil, that, that's what the message is. And I, I have a real sense. I mean, it's treading on toes, perhaps, How we communicate that in our society but i think many of us are uncomfortable today about you know losing our latte set or our cappuccino set or our bowl set of friends or whatever so we sort of you know a bit soft not really sure about how we should address this mission i'm not telling you know we ought to be going out there telling everyone to turn or burn or repent or roast i mean i'm not i'm not suggesting that kind of crude response but i think we need to Creatively and responsively tell the community that there is a lifestyle and a pattern that God requires, and not to follow that lifestyle and pattern and those values has eternal ramifications and that needs to be in our gospel proclamation to people when we ask them to become followers of Jesus as well.
0: Okay, I love your terminology uh, when you say, we're not asking people to turn or burn, repent or roast. I mean, those are, those are sort of caricature ways we've talked yes. about repentance, but isn't there a sense in which those terminologies come in as soon as you start to open yourself to the idea that yes I need to include repentance in the way that I talk about sin and salvation because uh, we're going to have to get used to that idea if it's going to be a part of your lifestyle to talk about repentance then people are going to use that terminology aren't they? Turn or burn? Repent or roast? I yeah, mean, I, but, but uh,
1: now, yep. you know, I agree But I'm sure we could do it in more respectful and creative ways <laughs> and we see how Paul did that in Acts 17 and I mean, the whole requirement to, you know, identify with people that, you know, I'm a sinner. I mean, you're a sinner. I mean, we've made mistakes, and and, and we've done things that are wrong. And, and the Christian message is there's forgiveness of that, and there's new life. But there's not new life unless we acknowledge our need for grace. You know, Neil, if I go into communities, and even new spirituality, new age communities, without question... The number one song they sing is Amazing Grace yeah. that saved a, a wretch. wretch like me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sense the community can get this if we do it properly. But I, I think for whatever reason, many voices in the Christian church today in, uh, in our churches and calling people to discipleship or in our broader message to the community have kind of become apologetic for the word, repent.
0: Let's talk about repentance inside the church as well as outside, because sometimes we think of the message of the gospel, uh, and it's for people who are not yet uh, come to Christ, Uh, but yet there is a sense in which this message is just as powerful within church, and if we're not using it outside the church walls, it's probably because it's not being used within the church walls. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Look, I think you're right. I think what has happened, and this is not necessarily wrong, I mean what has happened is, uh, Neil, in the 70s and 80s most people could tell you when they became a Christian. It was associated to a particular event or conversation or church service. Now most people can't tell you the actual time they became a Christian. It was more of a process being involved in relationships and attending special services and, you know, going through that kind of situation. And churches are very much engaged in that, you know, attracting people in, attracting them into programs, uh, you know, letting them find their way and finding their way into the faith. And I understand that. So it's gone from event to process. But in that process of bringing people in, attracting people in, allowing them to become followers of Jesus, I think what the church has done in many occasions is not actually in that process saying, well, actually now there are things you need to repent of, or there are things we need to repent of, or there are things we need to talk about uh, that we need to adjust our lifestyle in. It's just kind of people drift into faith without actually having to face the need of repentance. And so I think the onus is on the church now to make very clear that even people who are coming to faith via a process, there is a stage of you know, accountability before God. You know, we can't go too much further
0: without mentioning one of the most recent and significant uh, examples of what happens when you talk about this issue of repentance. Uh, When we discuss uh, what happened with Israel Falau of recent times, when he was put on the spot and asked the question about uh, homosexuality and uh, what is the outcome for homosexuals, and it basically comes down to, uh, you know, homosexuals are headed for hell. Uh, But then, of course, what comes after that, you know, unless there is repentance... Uh, Your thoughts on the recent uh, issues to do with Israel Falao, because he really has made uh, tremendous ripples with the comments that he made, Ross.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it shows you that the community was shocked to hear this because they haven't heard the message that there's a God that requires repentance for such a long time, I think. <laughs> uh, and uh, that actually someone the, had the audacity to say that everyone just doesn't get to heaven because, you know, God's going to, in the end, be this good, kind God up there. And uh, But Israel Folau, you know, this prominent sports person and rugby player and, and whatever else made it very clear that this was just one particular sin that he was addressing. I mean, the person could have asked him about all sorts of other sins. He wasn't dismissing people of gay uh, um, practice as, as human beings. He said, you know, he plays football with them. He supports them in so many other ways. But if someone asks him, is that lifestyle approved by God, he says no. But they could have asked him, is the lifestyle of absolute greed and then just wanting to you know, build up money at everybody's expense a proof by God? He would have said, no. Is the lifestyle of adultery uh, you know, in, a, in a relationship, is that a proof by God? The answer would be no. Um, so, mate, you know, he said no, and he said the ramifications to that, and it exploded.
0: It seems to be that whatever the prominent sin is of the day and in this case when you talk about Israel Folau of course the one that was prominent in the mind of the journalist asking him the question was homosexuality But, but really as Christian believers we need to have an appreciation of what is meant when we talk about repentance from sin and it is bigger than just a single sin.
1: Oh absolutely and it's about a whole lifestyle choice. It's about how we uh, you know, engage our life, and it's about the values uh, with God's help, you know, moving from our way of life to God's way of life, and, and that involves repenting of all our selfishness and, and of all the things that distract us from being you know, part of God's family. Now, God loves everybody, but he says, you know, to be part of my family, with grace and the power of the Spirit in your life, this is the way that you are to live. And, mate, the warning to the community is really strong in the prophets. And I understand our world is a little bit different today, except that we're not a... You know, we're a nation under God as such, but that that message still needs to be taken into our community. I mean, read Amos about injustices and, and 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 about lifestyle and and whatever. And you know, we've got a royal commission that's exposing what's happening in banks, and you know, people are very happy to say that's wrong and these bank people should be held to account and and whatever, and I agree with them. The Bible would say exactly the same. But let me tell you, the Bible says there's a lot of other behaviors that need to be held to account as well and that are wrong and, once exposed, need to be repented of, and, you know, we need to get our lives right.
0: A Biblical Perspective of Life, Culture and Current Events, the 2020 Summer Series, on Vision.
1: Look, uh, Neil, what some recent scholarship has shown is that people were drawn to the church in the first century or two because it was hard to join. It was hard to join, not easy to join, and in their world, everything else was so easy to join. In the Greek Roman, Roman world, it was easy to join all sorts of clubs and societies, but what attracted people to the church was it was different it stood for different values and you had to adhere to those values and it was hard to join and the church exploded and i think today we kind of kind of think that people will come to us and there'll be revival in australia and people will be attracted to the church because it's easy to join it's easy to join and you know again we've got to do the right tone and and we reach out to people and show God's grace but I think people today are also looking for something that's hard to join mate that's commitment that stands for something I think you've struck a chord here
0: and I'd be interested to hear from listeners about their perceptions of what it's like in their local church is it hard to be a member of your local church or is the church doing all it can to bend over backwards to make it easy to be a member now there's, there's probably a whole lot of controversy in a conversation like that because (laughs) we do want people to feel accepted into a local church setting but what you're saying is when it comes down to the nitty-gritty this issue of repentance is important and perhaps it's even more important as people get their footing as a Christian believer and recognise that there is a calling upon them and then even areas of leadership and service that they might participate in, that's where this issue of repentance and maybe being hard to join becomes really relevant, Ross.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, all of that, Neil, and I'd I say yes to all of it. And I just think, you know, we, we're people of grace we're people of acceptance, but also we've got to have a message, mate. And and that's what attracted these people in the first century. They realized they had a different message. The lifestyle was different. They were calling to a different form of, of life and values, and you had to put your hand up to be part of that community. And, uh, mate, you know, that's about repentance.
0: And when you do a little bit of deeper reading about issues like sin... I mean, all of the great philosophers grapple with this, and of course the Christian theologians will, we, we, we sort of grapple with that in a, in a biblical and theological way, but it's not something that is just within the church only. Uh, all of the great philosophers, uh, no matter where they've come from, have dealt with this challenge of what do we do with this dark side of humanity, this thing we call sin? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how people outside the church are grappling with it?
1: Well, look, mate, uh, Scott Peck wrote, wrote a book called The Road Less Travelled, and Scott Peck is seen as the greatest self-help writer of the last 20 or 30 years, without question. Influenced people across the globe, and He then wrote a further book called Further Along the Road Less Travelled where he said he's now embraced Christianity and left Zen Buddhism, which was following when he wrote The Road Less Travelled. And he said the reason being is he had to come to grips with the question of sin because he realized as a psychoanalyst and as a self-help guru, people did have sin and there were social sins. And the only religion he could find where sin was treated seriously and gave an option, gave a solution to sin, was Christianity. And he fell in love with Jesus because he founded Jesus. Sin was taken seriously, and there was a solution to sin. So, mate, we shouldn't be apologetic. He's the greatest guru, self-help writer out there, pleading, saying, I needed to say, find an understanding of the world that took sin seriously and gave a remedy to sin, repentance. So... Be aware of that, mate. And and go to the movies and watch, uh, say, C.S. Lewis's Narnia, which was watched by people around the Western world. And there you've got Aslan the lion who dies for the sin of the boy and because of his death for the sin of the boy that uh, he can take the children into the new world of Nirvana. So, uh, Narnia. So, mate, you know... It's out there. People understand the message.
0: That's right. And if we talk about sins, and coming back to something we were talking about earlier in our conversation here, where we tend to think about the biggest issues of the day, and we've been talking about homosexuality a little earlier on, but sexual sins, whether they're homosexual sins or sexual sins, sometimes, and I'll get your thoughts here, Ross Clifford, sometimes people are thinking that's the only sort of sins. But if we look at some other headlines in the news, like the banking royal commissions, Uh, And we start to see all of the other things that are going on behind closed doors which are detrimental to the people that those organisations are called to serve. We can call those sins too. It really opens up the spectrum of understanding what sins are all about and how they affect people.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and sin is basically, uh, with, with respect to our relationship with other people, is denying the human dignity, the human respect to others, Neil. And you can do that through your greed. You can do that... As we see in the banking structure, you can do that in the court systems. You deny people a fair process, and you can do that by denying your spouse through adultery. You can do that by you know, bringing someone into an illicit, improper sexual relationship. It's denying people their human dignity and human worth. That's what the Bible says, you are to love God and love each other as yourself. And sin is about not doing either of those two things. And yes, yeah, so we've got to be a broad understanding of sin. And the, you know, read Amos five. It takes on you know the courts. There's not a fair legal system here, and because of that, people aren't getting justice. And Amos goes heavy on them, or or, or the employer that's not paying people fair wages. You know, heavy on that, as well as on our personal sins and whatever. So you know, the Bible's you know. The Bible's pretty broad, mate, and all of us fall under one of those categories. All of us know what it is to fall short of the glory of God.
0: And the more we think secularly about this sort of thing, and, uh, you know, people will say, well, this is Australia and we have a secular state and they're there looking after us. There's something important here. Uh, If you don't think that there's a need to repent, uh, as the secular state doesn't think that there is, uh, then ultimately, Ross, you need to be controlled because institutions... Uh, need to be held to account and so therefore you've got this sort of controlling situation because they haven't treated others with care and without repentance it takes all of this into a system of control rather than an issue of the heart because if you deal with the issue of the heart you'll have people doing the right thing one to another
1: Yeah, and as uh, one Russian author said everyone's trying to change human- humanity, Neil but no one's trying to change the heart Yeah, We've got to change the heart and we change the heart. The Bible says the way you change the heart is by making sure that we all understand there's a need for God. We haven't lived God's way, and we need to live God's way. And through the Holy Spirit, there is repentance and there's changed hearts. That's what repentance is, basically, Neil turning around, having a changed heart.
0: Uh, This is interesting too, as you just raised that, because sometimes we think of that word repentance as, uh, you know, beating people around the ears uh, with something and uh, trying to, uh, you know, beat them into submission. But actually it's, it's not so much about beating people into submission as alerting them to this idea that there needs to be a change of
1: heart. Yes, that's right. And it's about being faithful and presenting that and doing that the right way. As we said earlier, it's not about turn or burn, repent or race necessarily, that kind of message. It's just identifying, as we said, identifying with your own failures, sharing about our own need for Jesus, and then pointing out that we all had that human dilemma and, and doing that. But I, I think socially too, Neil, you know, we still are a nation of basic Christian values. And, and when those values aren't seen being paid out, say, in the Bank Royal Commission, Australians get angry. So it's a way of reminding Australians that we do have a basic value set. It doesn't include greed. It doesn't include those things. And, and, and they are biblically based. They're God-based. They're good. And, you know, we as a community shouldn't be ashamed of saying they're the values that we want to stand for. And from there, you can introduce people to Jesus and that he helps us change our hearts to live those values.
0: Uh, Let's get back to this message of the gospel. And uh, if you take repentance out of the gospel, uh, or if you minimize repentance so that it's there in name but has no real action to it, uh, are you then stripping the gospel of its power? Uh, How do you think the gospel operates in power, Ross? Ross?
1: Well, let me just say, if you take repentance out, Neil, I don't think you have a gospel. Okay. I don't think you have a gospel. I don't know what you have, but I don't think you have God's gospel. You might have my gospel or someone else's gospel. I don't think you have God's gospel. And I think that's something we really need to take seriously. I I, I don't think this is an optional message. It is a compulsory part of the gospel. And when you read the nutshell of the Gospel, 1 Corinthians fifteen three to 5, what the early church recited, it says, Christ died, buried, rose again for the forgiveness of sins, sins, according to the Scriptures. And, I mean, the Gospel is not that I'm a needy person and I'm facing bankruptcy or I've got a bad day coming, you know, Jesus is going to be my best friend. I'm not dismissing that part of it. But the Gospel is irrespective of how I'm feeling about life today, the gospel is that I am in need of repentance and there is a delivery from that. There is a person who died on the cross for me. So, Neil, I don't think there's a gospel without it.
0: Some people will suggest the entire message of Jesus summed up in the words, Repent and believe the good news. That's Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's just come back to some scriptures here for a few moments because uh, the reminder that the gospel is uh, a, a message that contains this word of repentance. When Luke recorded his version of the Great Commission, he tells us that Jesus ordered that repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Yeah. That's Luke 24 yeah. verse 47. Yeah. And then there's on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up before the crowds on the day of Pentecost and concludes his powerful sermon on that day, calling on the hearers to his message: repent and be baptized. So, yeah. repentance is it's a it's a central element here. You can't deny the scriptural foundation here.
1: No, Neil, that's what I'm saying. I think without it, there is no gospel, and I think we need to hear that again. That's why I think it's forgotten. Uh, and, and I'm not, you know, saying every every time you open your mouth you need to do that, although the early church seemed to do it pretty frequently. But I think we've got to you know, we've got to ask what's going on here? What is the gospel? And it's about changed lives, it's about people following Jesus and the power of the Spirit, forgiven by his grace. But they know they've been forgiven. They know their lives have been changed. But if we don't have repentance, what do we